What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's James back with another edition of the Offside Hockey Talk podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Jim Parsons. We'll be talking about NHL rumors around the league. And of course, we'll focus around the Maple Leafs. You see over my shoulder there. It's a team we talk about a lot. The man, the myth, the legend is sitting in the waiting room right now to talk with us. Before we get there, I want to proudly say this show is brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Puck Off Lagerdale, the absolute big beer for the big game. So if you're looking for a big beer, get over to Boxing Rock here in Nova Scotia. Just open their new downtown location. Check them out for sure. But let's get the man on right now. Here he is, Mr. Jim Parsons. What's going on, buddy? Hey, how you doing today? Appreciate you having me on. Not a worry at all. Hey, I see your work. Everybody's talking about rumors. Everybody's excited about what's going to happen next for their team. So I figured why not go right to the source, the guy who's got all the quotes and everybody down to the wire of what they're saying and get you on and talk about it. Sure, happy to. All right, so obviously uh, let's just give people a little bit of background of where you uh, write for and what you do, just in case people don't know who you are. I said Jim Parsons to a couple people today and everybody started throwing the uh, bazingas at me. Thinking I was having the uh, the man from the uh, the Big Bang Theory on, but no, I said it's the guy who actually gets into the NHL rumors. is way more interesting to me and more uh, focused on this show, I guess. So, where can everybody find your stuff, and what does Jim Parsons do day to day with hockey? Sure. Well, I uh, write for two major sites. Uh, the Hockey Raiders I've been with for six years, so I've been kind of covering the news and rumors for them on a daily, um, you know, tradition for oh, going on five years now. Uh, just digging up, like you said, uh, quotes and sources and talking to people who are in the know, probably much more than I am. But uh, I like to you know, kind of congregate and correlate all that information and put it together for people in a nice, easy package to read. And then I also own a site called NHL Trade Talk. Uh, just like you guys, I, I love uh, trades. I love rumors. I love speculation. Uh, so we dig into all of that on NHLTradeTalk.com. And that's exactly where I found you and fell down the rabbit hole of reading everything and then I was like, man, you know what? This would make an interesting show because that's what everybody's talking about right now. Most people's favorite team, unless you're the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning, which going for a three-peat, which is ridiculous, don't have a team in the race right now. So um, let's get right into it. I sent you a little link uh, earlier today, just basically some teams that we were looking at talking about. And obviously the big one right now is the Boston Bruins. And being a Leaf fan, this one interests me because, as you may know, we've had our run-ins with the Bruins and, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the Bruins this year, I mean, lose Cassidy, who just signed apparently in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's now official. Head coach. Yeah. That's official now. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering for you, let's talk on that one right quick. Sweeney said he was okay. Next thing we know, he's fired. We know things can change. In your interpretation of things for that, what do you think happened from that press conference to the firing of Cassidy? Was he just the the fodder that had to go to give the fan base something? I'm going to guess, and this is just me speculating and spitballing here, that Cam Neely probably had a lot to do with that. Um, if I can read between the lines a little bit here, uh, I would assume that maybe Don Sweeney did have a conversation with Bruce Cassidy and said, you know what, I think you're probably good to go. We're going to make some changes here. We're going to have to look at a new team because we've got some older guys aging out. We're not sure if they're going to be back, uh, but you're probably pretty safe. I'm sure that conversation was had. In between when that conversation took place and when Cassidy was let go, I'm guessing Cam Neely probably put his two cents in there and said, you know what? We don't really love this. Uh, We don't like the way that the season went. Even though Cassidy's had a fantastic record uh, with Boston, he's done some really good things with a team that hasn't always been constructed very well. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. Cassidy, from what I understand, was not happy when he heard this news. Like, yeah, he's not going to be out of the market very long. And as we saw today, he's officially signed with Vegas. But uh, yeah, he was not pleased when he was told. And Don Sweeney admitted that. He's like, yeah, he did not take it very well. So um, I think there was a major lack of communication issues going on in Boston over there. I don't know why they did it, to be totally honest with you. It's probably not the decision I would have made if I was in Sweeney's shoes. Um, but perhaps this is the final straw before Sweeney's gone, right? If something doesn't shape up and change in Boston and they don't do better, I think Sweeney's the next one to go. Yeah, no, I think this is just one bullet in his cartridge. I mean, obviously... Cassidy had success and he seemed to have the ear of the room as well. That's why it was weird to me. It wasn't like this team was on a huge downslide. Yeah, they went out in the the first round, but you have to look at what they had in front of them, the injuries, the different things like that. Cassidy still did a really great job and I don't think he should have been the one to go. But now I'm wondering, 
you look at the the comments coming out about Pasternak that if uh, certain people don't go, he may go. So now yeah. I'm wondering, will that force the hand of the Boston Bruins even more to make deeper cuts upstairs to keep a guy like Pasternak in the fold? Or we'll talk about this in, in more, but do you think that's something that's going to happen where they have to make those moves to keep certain players happy? Boston's such an interesting team because you never really know what's actually going on behind the scenes, right? Like we've seen, you can go way back to Tyler Sagan when he was moved, right? It was just one of those things where they said, well, Tyler Sagan's not a Boston Bruins, so they traded him, right? It was strange when it happened at the time, but that's just kind of how Boston has always sort of operated, right? So I don't know that we can say for sure what they're thinking about right now. If Pasternak's part of their future, if they're going to move, you know, heaven and earth, like Calgary said they would do with Johnny Gaudreau, I don't know if they'll do that for David Pasternak. I'm not sure if Pasternak's watched as other people have left. Uh, Boston didn't really push too hard to keep David Krejci around. Uh, we don't really know what's happening with Patrice Bergeron. If all of these things Pasternak has watched in the past, Tory Krug to St. Louis is another example. Uh, maybe he says, you know what? Like, this isn't really a team that is working too hard to keep us guys here. Do I really want to do this? Now, Pasternak's got a lot left to offer, uh, and he should be probably signed on a long-term extension, but you just never know in Boston, right? It could be one of those things where they say, you know, we got to do everything we can this summer to put the best team on the ice that we possibly can, or they could go full rebuild mode. Like, I have no idea what to expect out of this team, and a lot of it hinges on on Bergeron. But yeah, Pasternak's the big guy there. If he decides that he doesn't want to stick around or they don't really make it real obvious to him that they're like, yeah, you're our number one priority. We will do anything that we can to keep you. I don't know where this goes, to be honest with you. Well, it's a road that needs to be smoothed out. Obviously, what, he's 25, 26 years old. Um, you know, perennial great goal scorer. Um, a guy that you want in your organization to build around, especially with a guy like Bergeron leaving. Um, which, I, in my heart of hearts, I think Patrice Bergeron is done. Um, you know, I go by the, uh, the old saying by Dana White, if you're thinking or talking about or feeling retirement, you're already retired. Your, your foot's out the door. You can come back, but it's not the same mental state that you should be in for a regular grind. You're coming back kind of half in, half out. So I think for Bergeron, a guy who holds himself to a certain standard, we see it all the time, I don't think he's coming back. Um, and that may shake the team up to a different way. Does Krejci come back? Does Krejci come back to keep Pasternak happy? We saw how happy they were to meet each other over uh, mm -hmm. at the World Championship. So maybe that's something that happens to, to smooth that road. But I'll ask you flat out, David Pasternak, juicy name. Where would he go? What would a team, what team would you see making an offer? And the, the one that comes to mind, obviously is Vegas. Cause they're always in on every big name yeah. and they'd flip something, a name or two back the other way. But other than Vegas, cause we all can link anything to Vegas. Is there another team that you would see taking a swing at David Pasternak and saying, hey, this could bolster us. This could be the move that puts us over the moon. Well, there's a lot of factors that would have to weigh into that decision. First, uh, he's got one year left on his contract, just over $6 million, closer to seven. Um, he would probably have a lot of say uh, as to where he goes, contenders, things like that. There's a lot of teams that can't afford that salary. So uh, you like you mentioned, Vegas is going to be one of those teams if they're interested, which they always seem to be, will have to move money the other way. And then if you're Boston, what do you want to take back? Right? Like, is that yeah. a three team deal where you move uh, your asset to another team just to free up the space to get Pasternak on a deal? Or do you send something to Boston and does Boston want that if they're going full rebuild? Cause if they're trading Pasternak, they're probably not looking at staying a competitive team. They're probably almost starting over. So um, yeah, it's really tough. I would look down maybe at the teams uh, who have a lot more cap space to work with. Uh, Los Angeles might be a team that could be very Ooh. interesting because uh, they outperformed what I think a lot of people expected they would. They've got some cap space there. Prospect uh, capital. Yeah, right. So, I mean, somebody like that maybe it could be somebody to watch Pittsburgh even. Uh, I don't think they've got a ton of room to play with, but you can imagine that that would be an interesting fit if uh, they were interested. And they always seem to take a look at Boston. And, and so, yeah, we could like that guy. That could be interesting. But yeah, there's a few. I mean, it certainly wouldn't be shy of people trying to move things around. If Pasternak actually be officially becomes available, I can see a lot of teams going, okay, what do we got to do to get in this conversation? Now, there's one question I want to know here. In your opinion, for David Pasternak, if they keep Sweeney and everything stays status quo and he's unhappy, 
Um, does he show up to training camp? If you I want would assume to so. I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I, I can't imagine. I mean, they'll have a conversation in the offseason about what it is he wants to do because I don't imagine yeah. that Boston's going to head into this season without some sort of an idea where Pasternak's head is at, right? Yeah. You want to get the most value you can out of a player that you might have to trade. So if you get into the end of the season and Boston's not all that competitive and they can't get a lot of their guys back, um, then you go, okay, well, are we even talking about being a competitive team? Do we make the playoffs? What do we do if we don't? We move Pasternak at the end of the year. You want to know if you're Boston going into this season, what you're going to do there, right? You need yeah. a backup plan. So I'm going to assume they're going to have these conversations in the summer. And if they do, uh, and Pasternak says, you know, I'm in, like, I like this team. I don't see myself playing for anybody else before I ever retire, which tends to be what some of the guys in Boston do. Like Bergeron, if he doesn't come back, he's probably not going anywhere else. He's probably just leaving, right? Uh, so you have that conversation and then you, you kind of look around the market and you see what's what I don't see a reason that Pasternak wouldn't show up at camp. I can't imagine, uh, that things are that bad between Sweeney and Pasternak where he's like, look, dude, I'm not coming. Like if you're still in charge here, you won't see me. I don't get the sense from Pasternak that he's that kind of guy. I don't know yeah. him, but, um, I, that's a pretty, you it's know, far end extreme move to pull, right? If you're going to be doing that, there's gotta be more reasons. Definitely. All right. So we'll move off the Boston Bruin page. Uh, we exhausted that one there. Um, the next one for me is the Anaheim Ducks. They're a team. Apparently Gibson was available or said he would, you know, be willing to make a move. Now he's walked that back. Apparently that's never happened. Never was spoke about uh, one team that was linked. Obviously the one over my shoulder, the Maple Leafs. I don't know why they would do a deal with that. And we'll talk about that a little later on. But sure. as far as the Anaheim Ducks, is Gibson on the move? What are they doing? Obviously, some young guys have come in there. They made noise. They made strides that people didn't think they'd make this year. We're in it for a long while. And now, obviously, the offseason comes and you have to make moves. What do you see them doing? Is Gibson a part of their plans or not? You mean part of their plans to stick with the team or part of their plans to move him out? Stick with the team. Well, I think if you listen to what he said today, which is that he did not let the team know that he wants to go anywhere, that he did not request a trade of any kind, uh, that he signed with the team with the anticipation that he would stay with the team and he's happy to retire with this team. If you listen to John Gibson, he's going to stick around. Now, his agent said the same thing. There's been no confirmation or you know talk from Anaheim in this regard to the rumors or speculation that he's let them know that he's open to a trade. Personally, my take is he probably would be open to a trade. I don't think he wants to go anywhere, but I think yeah. if Anaheim were to approach him and say, look, we know what we are. We started out really good last year. We have a good young team that isn't quite there yet. And we showed in the second half of the season that we aren't there yet. Uh, we don't know that our long-term plans include you. And so we'd like to explore the idea of a trade. Would you be open to it? I'm sure John Gibson would go, I guess like, sure. Okay. Here's my list, right? He's got a yeah. 10 team, no trade list, right? I don't think John Gibson's, you know, waiving the right to play for a competitor, a contender, if Anaheim doesn't want him, right? Like if that's the situation that, I don't know if that's the case. I'm not saying that's the case, but if that winds up being the conversation, then I guess that John Gibson's probably going to be a guy that we talk about a lot this summer, that he could be on the move. I think Anaheim's going to be busy. I think they have a good young team, but I think they're real building and they know it and they're going to be active in moving some of those pieces out. And Gibson makes a lot of sense as far as what teams would be interested in him, uh, probably a lot, but he's also got a high salary. He's got a lot of term left on his contract. He had a not so great year. Um, it'd be iffy, right? There'd be a lot great of teams year. that might look at him, but yeah. But you'd like, do you really want to do that? Do you want to yeah. invest that much money and that much term into a guy that could be on the downswing? We don't know. He's proven he's a pretty good goalie, but this last season was not his best. No, the past three seasons for him haven't been the greatest, but you look at the team in front of him as well. So, I mean... Do the two correlate? You know, if you put them on a team like Winnipeg or Toronto or somewhere where they actually have some talent and defense in front of them in a structured system, does he play differently? He, I don't know. Um, I'll talk to you about this more with the Leafs' perspective. But, I mean, the cap hit alone makes me a little weary of a guy like that, especially with the term on it. If you get him into town and he's, you know, a sub-900 goaltender, then you're basically staring down the, the beak of another Miko Koskinen situation like the Oilers had. You know, all mm -hmm. that money tied up in a goaltender you can't really use. So that makes me a little nervous. Another name that jumps off the page for me on the Anaheim Ducks is Max Comtois. Um, just wondering what you hear there. Uh, there was some things that uh, Jeff Merrick, you know, kind of floated throughout 
before trade deadline that he may be on the move or the team may be willing to move him because he didn't find his spot in the lineup. The rhythm wasn't there. Um, maybe a fresh start would be something good for him. Is he a big part of the Anaheim Ducks, to your knowledge, or is that a guy that they're looking at, hey, this is a young guy who could probably still do well, but he can get us something back in return. Maybe we flip him for an asset. That's probably the key. I don't know that I've heard that he's a big part of their long-term plans, and I heard what you heard from Merrick and others, that he was out there at the trade deadline, uh, that Anaheim was looking at a lot of pieces, and there were some teams that were inquiring about Comtois, but I don't think you're going to move him for nothing. You know, here's a guy who's got one more year left at a pretty, uh, pretty decent salary for what he can do for you. He's an RFA at the end of that. So you've got some term control and team control. If you move him. I think you want to get something back for him. If you're going to be moving him, which is probably why he didn't go anywhere at the yeah. deadline. If, if teams weren't able to get the player without giving something up and contenders don't typically want to give something up at the time that they're acquiring a piece for the trade deadline. Uh, I could see why that didn't pan out. So I think there'll be a lot more conversations about him. Uh, I don't think the Anaheim Ducks are quick to move him. He's not like a cap issue for them. He's still uh, fairly young. He's not a problem in terms of, you know, their age group and their core and where their team is going. Uh, but if they can get a good asset for him and then get something in return around the draft, I think they'd probably explore that. Uh, I don't, I haven't heard that he's like, oh yeah, and absolutely he's an Anaheim Duck for the future and long-term. I haven't heard that. Uh, but I haven't heard that, at least now, that there's anything imminent or that there's a trade in the works of any kind. No, I haven't seen anything there. But, I mean, obviously, got to ask the question because he's a name that was floated. And with Anaheim trying to pull pieces, move pieces, that might be one where they say, hey, we'll package maybe a bad contract or someone with him to get him out of town and bring something in. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one for me, the Vancouver Canucks. This is a team that's been in the headlines, making all the right in-office moves. Now they got to do it on ice. Um, you got Besser that's there. You got JT Miller. Um, wondering for you, JT Miller in your heart of hearts, do you see him moving this offseason? Or is he a guy that Vancouver holds on to right up until the deadline, see where they are, and rolls the dice? I think they want, I think both sides want to get this done. I think that Vancouver's actively looking to try to extend JT Miller. And I think JT Miller would like to stick around. At the same time, I think JT Miller knows what his value is and he knows that somebody's going to pay him a lot of money and Vancouver knows it too. And they are kind of going, well, we want him, but only at the right term. We can't go crazy on this. We cannot overspend on this guy, even though we really like him. Uh, So to me, I think he probably gets moved. Um, I think they're trying to get it worked out, but I just got this feeling that he's probably going to go. And I think that Vancouver does it sooner than later, to be honest with you. I think the last I heard was Jim Rutherford said that they would try to have this figured out by the draft and meaning they're going to have a conversation with JT Miller and go, what are we doing here? Like, are we yeah. sticking around? Are we signing something? Are we not? What are we doing? Because I think they believe that the value they'll get for JT Miller is not nearly as high at the deadline as they probably could get at the draft. So if they're going to end up trading him, they're going to do it around the time of the NHL draft. See if they can't move their way up in terms of getting into maybe the top five or something like that. See if there's a team like we don't know what's going on with New Jersey and where they're thinking about drafting, but we've heard that maybe the number two pick could be out there. And if that's the case and Vancouver can hop up there, I could see New Jersey going for a JT Miller. Like they got all sorts of money and they would absolutely love to give it to him. So um, that wouldn't shock me at all, but I'm not connecting the two dots there. I'm just saying, I think JT Miller, that conversation happens sooner than later. And we could hear a lot about him at the NHL draft. No, definitely. Well, the draft is the sticking point for a lot of guys. The other guy's Brock Besser. Obviously, we talk about the Vancouver Canucks and money and allocating cap space to guys. That's another one where you say, can we afford them? Um, you obviously have to wait till the domino with JT Miller falls. But really, you're looking at both of those guys. It's either one or the other, in my opinion. And I think you go with JT Miller. But what do you think about Brock Besser? Is he a guy that can fit in Vancouver long term? And is there a number that makes sense there? Or is he another chip where they can definitely dangle him and maybe bring in something else? The the qualifying offer is the kicker for Brock Besser, right? He's got a seven, I think a seven point five million dollar qualifying offer that he's basically guaranteed. Jim Rutherford said, "Yeah, we can afford to pay it, and we will do that if we have to. We're not going to let Besser, you know, we're not going to waive the qualifying offer. We will qualify him. He's not going to hit unrestricted free agency, so that's not happening in Vancouver. Uh, so they could pay him one year, see what happens." look at an extension that way. I don't think that's what they want to do though. They said they can afford it. I think they're trying to, to do something long-term. So for me, it's either a long-term extension or a trade. 
those are probably the two options that we're looking yeah. at here. I know they said they could do the one-year qualifying offer. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I'm assuming that they're working out something with him where they can get him on a long-term deal, whether it's six or seven years, uh, something like that. I don't know what the number would look like uh, when you're buying that many years of unrestricted free agency. Things like that is probably higher than a lot of people think. But I do believe he could be a guy that's talked about a lot. I think Vancouver is chatting with him right now, trying to figure out where his head's at, what he wants to do. Uh, he knows he's guaranteed seven and a half million. So he's got to do the math and go, well, how much more can I make if I selling long-term yeah. things like that? Um, it's an interesting story for sure. When oh, you get those qualifying offers out there, it changes the game a lot. Right. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot of activity from Vancouver, uh, at least a lot of conversation where things are very, very close where it's, whether it's Miller going or Besser going. Um, but my gut is probably a long-term extension gets done there. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on the JT Miller pro probably being the guy out of town and Besser staying, obviously homegrown product as well. Uh, let's switch to uh, the Edmonton Oilers, a team that's probably near and dear to you. Mm -hmm. um, they just came out and said that they want uh, clarification from Smith and Keith if they're going to be with the team next season or they're going to plan on retiring. Um, do you have a sense on either guy here uh, if they're going to retire for me? I would say probably Smith looked like he was like a battler all year. I don't see him wanting to just to bow out. Um, but that's just my opinion on him. Duncan Keith could go either way. What What are your thoughts there on those two guys? Well, there's been a little bit of a development today on Mike Smith, uh, or yesterday anyway. Elliot Freeman's reporting that uh, Mike Smith is pretty hurt. He's very injured. Uh, he finished the season quite injured. He And Jeff Merrick says he played most of the season injured. So when you talk about a guy who battles, he yeah. certainly did. And literally he battled through injury. There's a lot of talk that he's not going to make it back next season, not just because he's thinking about retiring, but because even if he doesn't retire, he could go on LTIR. Um, and if that's the case, then the Oilers are still looking for a starter. So there, from what we understand, the Oilers are now actively moving forward as if Mike Smith's not part of this roster next year. Now he's wow. got one more year left on his contract, so they can't just go, okay, well, he's not going to be here, but if he retires, he's gone and the cap is gone. If he is on LTIR, they can use it. The only downside of that is they can't accrue cap space while he's on LTIR. Um, but he's not a huge salary. So it's not like a massive issue for them. Yeah. But they are proceeding as though he's not going to be back next season. So uh, we'll see. I don't see Smith being the kind of guy who wants to quit it either. But he was not very um, energetic, let's say, during his final post-media avail at the end of the season when he was talking about his future. He didn't. He did shoot down rumors that he was thinking about quitting, but at the same time, he was like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Like he really, he's 40, yeah. right? And he's banged up and he's hurt and he's been hurt a lot. So it's kind of hard to go. Yeah, it's pretty given that he's coming back. Duncan Keith, however, I, I think is probably coming back. I think it would be a huge benefit to the Oilers cap wise if his money was <laughs> off the books because he just decided yeah. not to go. And there was some talk about whether or not Chicago would be dinged a penalty, which we're now hearing is not the case, even though it's written to the CBA that it would be. That's a whole other story, though. That's a crazy soap opera. But uh, I expect that Duncan Key's going to be back. Uh, I think the Oilers are happy enough if he comes back. They don't love his money, but uh, they he would play, play pretty well for them, and he was a good mentor to Evan Bouchard, and they liked that a lot, his leadership. Yeah. The things he did off and on the ice were really key to their playoff run this year. And then I hear he wants to actually stick around and sign another short-term extension for lesser dollars when this one's over. So uh, if that's the case, then uh, I think you probably could be seeing Duncan Keith and Edmonton for two or three more years. Hey, that's a, if, as long as it's a stabilizing force for a young guy, we've seen the same thing over here with Giordano and Timothy Lilgren, um, you know, and then signed the two-year extension at 800K per year. So if Keith did something like that for the Oilers, I'm sure that no one would be batting an eye at it. It's just that, Last bit of the cap hit where it's so high is, is the one you got to stomach for now. Um, and then the other one, obviously, for the Edmonton Oilers is Evander Kane, who pretty much looked like he penned his way out of uh, Edmonton, thanking everyone under the sun for uh, accepting him and his family and everything that went into the season and being a part of the Oilers. It seemed like he was saying goodbye. Um, do you get the same vibes there? I don't think the Oilers will be able to afford what he probably wants. That letter certainly looked like he was saying goodbye, didn't it? Um, I don't know. I've got to put it at around 50-50, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, I read that, and I, I knew the situation coming in with Evander Kane. This was really just a, everybody benefited from the fact that he signed with the Oilers, right? It was yeah. great for him on a short-term deal to show what he could still do, playing with two of the best players in the entire NHL, and he was going to have the best odds of doing and outperforming those 42-some-odd games. And so we knew that that was probably, could be the, the end of it, like, 
just those 40 some odd games could be it for him. Um, that it turned out so well. Now, of course, everyone's going to have a conversation. Well, keep them, keep them, keep them. Right. Yeah. But if he wants seven or 8 million bucks per season, very similar to the deal he had in San Jose or more, the Oilers aren't really in a cap situation to be able to do that. Now they have Jesse Pugliarvi and Kyler Yamamoto and Ryan McLeod and others, Brett Kulak, maybe as the UFA that they want to get deals done with. And that means that if Andrew Kane can only make so much money, unless they're going to ship out a whole bunch of other stuff. And that yeah. becomes, what do you want to send away and how much of this team are you willing to change over for one guy who, by the way, we were just in the Western conference finals. So, yeah. Um, it's a tough one. I, 50 50 for me. It really depends on what happens with the San Jose grievance thing. Uh, if he wins that and winds up either being property of San Jose again, or gets a certain amount of money, maybe he's not looking to hit home run, but he's also a Vander Kane. And from what we understand, uh, he's probably looking to get paid. And so yeah. if that's the case, the Oilers are willing to give him some money, but I don't know that they're going to go much above five, five and a half million. Um, beyond that, he's probably out of their budget. Wouldn't shock me if they did it, but, uh, I don't know if it's money. He's probably not staying. If they can figure something out, it's probably 50, 50 shot. He sticks around. So just one little thing I want to rehash there. You mentioned uh property, the San Jose Sharks. He might still be, uh, is that something that is possible that he may have to be re I guess like re back to the Sharks, I guess. Yeah. And, and play it's for a, them. It's a wrinkle in this whole thing. If you remember back when Mike Richards left Los Angeles, um, they wrote the kind of, cleared his contract off. And then he did the same thing Evander Kane is doing in Los Angeles was dinged about half of Mike Richards remaining salary. So he was paid that never came back to the Kings. We didn't know that, or at least I didn't know that until I read an article um, out of, I think it was NBC sports. We're talking about what could happen. There's a source in San Jose says if San Jose actually wins this grievance and they are deemed to owe all of Evander Kane's salary to him, they technically have the right to remain, keep him as their property. And if that's the case, he goes back and his contract goes back to San Jose. Now they could elect to not take him and just pay him, but I don't see why you would do that. At that point, why don't take the player, try to trade him, do something, even work out a deal with Edmonton and go, okay, yeah, he's ours again. We know you want him. Let's work out a deal. We'll retain 2 million. You guys can have the other five. We'll work it out. But yeah, that is somewhat of a wrinkle that we're hearing now is that this could actually wind up being a San Jose's ding this whole remaining contract. They could just take the player back. And that was something we hadn't heard about before. It was always kind of like, okay, well, this how much money does the San Jose owe him, if anything? And then he can go be a free agent. But what we're hearing is he can't double dip. He can't get like $4 million award from San Jose and then sign for $5 million with another team and make $9 million when he was making seven in San Jose. He's not allowed to do that. So um, there's a, a balance here that they've got to figure out. So that's why the grievance is so interesting for Edmonton because if San Jose wins this whole thing or if Andrew Kane wins the whole thing and San Jose is on the hook for the entire thing, they could just take them back. Um, and if that happens, it'll be very interesting to see where this goes. Cause I don't think they want them. I think they, they they'll take them to trade them, but I don't think they want the player back in their locker room. No, I definitely don't think so either. And there's certain players in that locker room that don't like uh, Evander Kane. I think Thomas hurdle was one of them um, that really didn't, uh, didn't feel rubbed the right way. Let's just say, but um Okay, so let's let's walk through this here. Um, when is the date that we're supposed to know, or he's supposed to know about this? It would have to hopefully correlate before free agency begins, yeah. at least so the Oilers and other teams would know what they're up against here. Because you wouldn't want to go to a free agency day, sign a new deal for just say four years at whatever number with whatever team, and then all of a sudden, does that just get all undone? Like, I, or does he have, or does Evander Kane have to wait until this grievance is done? before you can put another pen to paper. Well, I think all of that is probably true, but I don't think we have to worry about it. They, the first, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, hearing or meeting, grievance meeting happened uh, prior to, I think it was a semifinals for the Oilers when they were facing Calgary. Yeah. And then he went back to the playoffs and they said, well, okay, well, we'll just hold off on these other hearings until you guys are out of it. So they have scheduled another meeting with this grievance in San Jose. I don't know the date of that. It's supposed to be pretty soon from what I understand. Uh, it might take one, maybe two more of those meetings before they get it all figured out. I'm actually surprised it's taken so long to do that. Usually an arbitrator or a grievance would be just like, yeah, this is probably what it's going to be. But yeah. there must have been a lot of information and data being shared in those meetings that just took too long to get done in one meeting. So I can't imagine the NHL would allow this to go into the draft, would allow this to go into free agency and say, okay, yeah, go ahead and resign them. We'll still do this hearing later. Oh, by the way, San Jose could get them back you have a huge mess on your hands if that happens, right? Because if you've got one team signs him and that contract's void because San Jose is going to pick up the deal, 
I don't think they want that. So I'm assuming that they're going to get all this done here in the next week. And I just haven't heard the date of his next meeting. It's probably going to be happening right away, to be honest. Yeah, well, you'd think you'd want to get done as quick as possible so every team knows what they're up against. Um, that's hugely interesting, though, because that imagine him going back to San Jose and then trying to trade him. Again, what happens if no team wants him? Do they send him back down to Barracuda? Does the whole process that he just played out play out again where it's just so bad that he, I don't know, maybe has to file another grievance or something? Uh, it would just be yeah. kooky dukes to me. But hopefully, hopefully if they do win the grievance, everything is already sorted out that they know exactly. Like you said, maybe they already have a handshake deal with Edmonton. Hey, this is what we'll do. We win this. This happens to you. It's done. Just, just so that headache is not there because that would be a story that would really bog down, I guess, two organizations if the Oilers want them and B, if San Jose has to trade them. Well, ironically, it could be a win-win for both. If they have a kind of a back deal worked out and that is what happens and San Jose takes them saying, well, we know you like them. We know you're interested in them. Let's talk about a trade if this scenario plays itself out. And Edmonton says, look, we'd like them, but we got to get rid of some cap space too. What if we send you this guy? You can actually get Vander Kane at seven or less retain some of it by san jose and move a piece out in the process that maybe san jose is interested in so win for san jose win for the others because they get their guy at seven yeah. or less and they can move a piece off the roster at the same time so it would be very interesting i don't know that it's ever going to get to that but if it does uh i would assume that both of these gms have probably had a conversation oh i would assume so i think all those scenarios have been probably talked about and played out um, before we jump into the Leafs, because obviously we are a Leaf-centric show, sure, sure. Um, I want to ask you some questions about that roster and players around there. Is there any player or any team right now that has really got your attention, that you're hearing things about, that you're like, this is something people are not talking about but should be talking about? Uh, I don't know if there's uh, teams that I would say no one's talking about that they should be, but I am keenly watching what happens in Montreal. Um, I think that this is going to be a team that's very active at the draft. They're hosting the draft. They have the number one overall pick. I do not think they know who they're taking. Uh, and if they do, they haven't said it, but there's definitely two options there that they're contemplating. I also hear that they're actively looking to move up and get a high-end prospect. They have a lot of depth and some players in their system that they like their system and they like their depth, but they don't feel like they're loaded with real high-end talent that could be really game changers in the NHL and they got a lot of picks and they got a lot of ability to move around and in their own city, if they can make and shake up the draft a little bit, they're going to try. So I think the Montreal Canadians are a team that we're going to watch. And this is not even in count counting the fact that Jeff Petrie is out there. Um, there's some rumors about Josh Anderson, maybe say, yeah. Gallagher. Like there's a lot of guys on that roster that people are looking at going, well, what's going to happen with those guys? Um, so we're just talking about the draft. So, that's a team I'm going to watch because I don't know if they're thinking about rebuilding. I don't know if they're thinking about retooling and becoming competitive quite like earlier than we think if they're yep. trying to pull a New York Rangers, right. And just rebuild in like a year, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. And, Here comes pasta. That's pasta's music coming to Montreal. Yeah, you never know. Right. And if they're drafts in Montreal, which like never happens, what's it been like 30 years since the team yeah. drafted number one is hosted uh, expect something from them. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, well, and the other thing, too, I'll ask you this question to segue on the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price, mm-hmm. is he done? Do you think? I think he's done. Um, that's a guy you talk about, Miles, on, on Smith, and we talk about Shea Weber and other guys that really it seems to be the story recently with some players that their bodies just can't take it anymore and they're done. Um, yeah. Is that the Carey Price story here? I think so. I think Carey Price is probably done. I don't think he's going to officially retire, and if it does, it'll be partway through next season. Um, but I don't think he's going to officially retire either. That's yeah. salary and that contract. You don't just leave that. Um, he'll just go on LTIR forever. But uh, yeah, I think he's got some serious injury issues that he's tried to come back from and it just hasn't gone how he wanted it to go. And at some point you have to just go, you know what, this isn't going to work for me. Like I can't, I've tried. It's not me. This is not the level that I, I, I'm used to playing at. Um, I think Kerry Price is probably done. That's a fair assessment. I would say the same thing. Everything you've read and heard, and just even the end of the season when he talked about, you know, going through his last game and all that stuff and just how it felt and how he said the emotion sat with him, that really, to me, spoke to what he was thinking and what he was feeling. So we'll see where it goes. But, again, I think the Montreal Canadiens would like an answer sooner than later as well, much Mm -hmm. like most teams with players. 
Um, but let's talk about the team that I want to talk about right now. Sure. And that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, we'll get the first name right out of there. Jack Campbell, um, guy that I want to see the Maple Leafs resign. I do not want to see them chase after Gibson. Um, I think if you're going to pay a goaltender money, why not go with the one in-house other than the one that you don't really have in your system? Um, what do you think about Jack Campbell and what are you hearing with him and the Leafs? Because I'm hearing it's, there's no talks. Yeah, it's been surprisingly relatively quiet. You know, like fears a guy who played very, very well to start the year and then had some hiccups uh, partway through the season. I didn't think enough hiccups that the Leafs were going, yeah, like, is this the guy? And I think they're questioning it. And to say that they're questioning, it doesn't mean they don't want to sign him. It just means yeah. they're wondering how much can we afford to give him? How much can we invest in him? And how much do we want to lock this up? I think the issue here is that Jack Campbell understands what he is. He's one of the better goalies that's going to be available in the free agent market. And the Toronto Maple Leafs understand that they can't give him five or six years. They're looking at three and they're looking at money that isn't what the, somebody's going to pay him on the market. So they're trying to figure out is, is Campbell a guy who really wants to stay in Toronto and he seems like the greatest dude ever, but how loyal is he to us and how much can we take advantage of that loyalty versus he knows what he's going to get paid if he hits that market. And do we want to risk that? And what are our options if he does? Because if he goes elsewhere, what are we looking at here? Like you said, yeah. Gibson, you're looking at other guys that are going to be more money, maybe not as good. Uh, it's an interesting story, and I'm very shocked to hear how quiet things are. There's just been no real talks, and there's been no you know, further developments, and we're just not hearing his name out there very much in the last few weeks. They heard a lot about it before, but yeah. it's just been really quiet lately. Well, sometimes quiet could be a good thing. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe there's just everything being suppressed. They don't want any talk in the media and all that stuff. Ever since the, uh, I think it was 275 quote that was leaked out earlier uh, by Friedman talking about that's what they offered him initially at the beginning of the season. Um, that was the last kind of media blip you heard about Jack Campbell um, and, and the Maple Leafs, really. Um, I'd be comfortable, and this may be crazy, but I'd be comfortable at least doing four years at 475. Because again, like you just said, you're, you're going to go chase a starter, whether it's Bennington, whether it's uh, Gibson, but all those numbers are going to be higher than what you're wanting to offer or might be comfortable with Campbell. And if you can get Campbell at four years at 475, apparently he wants five, you come in a shade lower, maybe everybody gets happy over the fourth year. The only thing I think the Maple Leafs are really scared of here is the fact that Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander and Mitch Marner those big boogeyman contracts are coming up soon, next couple of years. Yeah. And they probably want every ounce of that cap space available to back the Brinks truck up and say, Matthews, here's your blank check. What do you want? You know, yeah. because obviously you want to keep that player. Is that kind of where Dubas's head might be at, where he's like, I can't do X and X because I got to worry about Y down the road. His He's operated like that for like the last three years. Like yeah. that's, that he's had no choice, right? Their cap situation has been so tight and cre credit where it's due. Uh, he and Brandon Pridham have been so good with the salary cap. There may not be a team that's better at this than them. Um, yeah. And so you got to give them credit for being able to maneuver on the cap. It's not like a Vegas Golden Knight situation where they just dance over it all day long and don't really care that it exists and then try to figure it out afterwards. They're pretty savvy. Like they get it sorted out. So I'm sure that they're looking at this going, you know, yeah, we need to know exactly what Campbell's going to cost so we can do the math on this and this and this and look at these pieces down the road. Like, it's a chess game puzzle constantly. It's like Tetris for them. They're constantly moving things around, right? I think the key, though, with Campbell isn't just that, but it's the fact that he's 30. It's the fact that if they give him five years, he's 35. When it's over, he wants the years because this might be the last major contract yeah. that he signs at this age. Uh, and if he can get it in free agency, which he probably will, some team's going to give him something more than oh, that. Yes. Um I think that's what they're toying with going, well, geez, I want to stay here, but if that's what I'm looking at, I know I can get six years. I know I can get 5 million. Like I just, I know it. So do you want to risk it is probably what he's thinking. Right. So yeah. it's tough because Maple Leafs are always going to lose somebody every summer just because of their salary cap situation. The question is, who do you lose? Like, are you willing last year with Zach Hyman? Can you afford to do that again? Right. Yeah. Um, is Campbell the guy that if you say, okay, we'll, we'll look at another option. Is he the one that bites you down the road? Right. Cause Hyman was fantastic for the Oilers this year. So um, that's the, that's the dance that Toronto plays all the time. And it should be a legitimate concern. I'm not trying to say to anybody that Austin Matthews is thinking about leaving, but it should be a legitimate concern about his situation now, because the amount of money that he's going to command 
when his contract comes up is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I'm not saying a slight against Austin here. He's going to want probably max or close to max as he can probably get and probably want to be one of the higher paid guys in the NHL, if not the highest yeah. at that point in time. So, and, you know, to me, he's earned it. He's earned that right. He's putting up the goals. He's scoring. But at the same time, does he go and look at a, you know, maybe an Ovi or a Crosby and say, hey, those guys were able to have further success in their career because of what they did with their cap hit, you know, especially Crosby. Um, you know, does that ma- does that legacy matter to Austin Matthews? That's one thing you'd have to really he I guess he may have to wrestle with not us because if you want to put a contract in front of me for fifteen million dollars per year, I'm signing it. No mm-hmm. problem. You know, sure, and everybody sure. else can fight for the scraps. But to get back to Jack Campbell, um, I do hope he signs with the Maple Leafs. I hope he is a Toronto Maple Leaf. But again, I don't think the Leafs have five million dollars to spend on him. And then you look at the other roster cuts they're gonna have to make. You're going to lose Mikheyev because I don't think they can keep him. Pierre Ingvall is another guy. Andre Kosh is another guy. And, yes, we do have young prospects in the in the chamber. But I'm wondering for you, everybody's talking about this summer of Kawhi for Kyle Dubas, that he has to make some sort of magical move to mm-hmm. put this team over the hump. Do you see that happening for the Maple Leafs? Because by the sound of it, they're happy with everything and they're going to roll it back as much as they can. Sands the goalie probably. but. Do you see the Leafs making a big move, whether it's Tavares, Nylander? Yeah, I, I understand the conversation. I don't see it happening uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I do believe that Toronto is going to give this one more year to see what they can do with these four guys. Uh, Tavares is not an option. They're not They're not going to be able to trade him. There's just nobody taking that contract. He's got too much control over it. Um, he didn't sign with Toronto to leave Toronto. He's not waving anything. He's not going anywhere. Um, Nylander is the one guy who might fit that definition of a Kawhi type move like he might not even be at the level of Kawhi when that whole thing happened with the Raptors um, yeah. but if you're moving out a guy and then adding another guy and you're swapping one for one or very close to a one for one he could be the guy I mean Mitch Marner's the name that would be like holy cow what just happened right yeah. I don't think they're moving Mitch Marner I don't see why you would do that uh, unless you've got something in the bag that is just so unbelievably attractive and you've got two or three pieces that could come in and fill so many holes but man, when you trade a Mitch Marner, you don't have a Mitch Marner anymore. And that's a massive issue that you ever, any team that trades a guy of that caliber would have to think about, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't see it happening. I, I get the conversation and I understand why, you know, if you want to shake things up because Toronto had a disappointing playoff run again, maybe you do it. I don't see them. I, I think Toronto's better than what they were this year. I think they're a better team than what they showed in the playoffs. And I think they know this team can go there. They just didn't go there this year. And I think they'll probably stick with most of that roster. Like you said, they'll lose some pieces. There's no way they can't, but yeah, uh, I think they're going to keep the main guys. We'll ask you this question here. Obviously, uh, Leaf fans, uh, we're, we're live over on, on TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, and, and uh, YouTube as well. Shout out to everybody who's listening and watching and having fun with this. Um, is there a name or names that you think the Toronto Maple Leafs, A, may be interested in, or B, that you've heard, hey, this is a possibility for the Maple Leafs, because Leafs fans right now are just looking for any morsel, obviously, with it being the offseason for us, to, to cling to, to get excited about, to start the engine, so to speak, cold for next season. Yeah, I haven't heard of any names that I would consider realistic, you know, because Toronto's in such a situ- uh, situation with their cap that there's not a whole lot that you can really do. Um I would say that the goalie situation is probably the one that they're going to be watching the closest. I think Peter Mrazek is going to be gone and how they do that. I don't know whether it's a buyout or a trade or they find somebody to take that contract. I'm not sure. So I expect that the goaltending situation is going to be the big thing here. Uh, they're going to have to figure that out. And Mrazek sure. probably won't be part of the team. I've heard some chatter and I don't believe it for a second about Matt Murray coming to Toronto. No, uh, I, I, no, I, I don't, I don't buy it. There were some conversations on the athletic about whether or not he would be a good fit. I just, I could see Ottawa doing it, but I don't see why Toronto would. Um, it doesn't make so, any sense to me. I, yeah. I if, if you're hearing thing. that, yeah. If you're hearing that, I wouldn't write too much into that. Situation, <laughs> I'm not, but, no, that was one. Uh, we got a leaf chat group with a bunch of guys who do different things for, for the least content and everybody's beating that drum. You know, great backup, but, but why? Why do you yeah. want that cap hit? Like, I don't understand. Like, why well, I'm are assuming we they're thinking Ottawa will eat half the salary for a sweetener, but even at half of his salary, I'm not sure that that's a contract that I want. 
No, no, I'd rather go with uh, Eric Schalgren or Joseph Wool or whatever you have in your system. Bring up that Petrozelli kid or whoever. Just don't go that yeah. road, obviously. But um, one thing I did hear about Peter, Mra- Peter, Peter Mrazek, so everybody gets on my back about saying Peter Mrazek, <laughs> uh, Peter Mrazek, um, the Chicago Blackhawks apparently are rumored to maybe be interested in him. Um, wondering if you've heard the same things. It looks like it could happen. I can envision him in a Chicago Blackhawks uniform, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, wondering what you think there. Well, you mentioned another. You mentioned teams that I'm keeping an eye on. I said Montreal. Chicago's another one. Yeah. Uh, I believe that they're going to be active. I believe there's something to this Alex, Alex Debrinka talk, um, that he could potentially be a guy that they move. Um, the reason Chicago might be looking at Peter Mrazek is simply because they have the flexibility and the ability to take on some stuff and get a sweetener in the deal. Right. And yeah. so Mrazek's one of those guys for Toronto. If we can move that out and we can maybe give up a little bit, you know, a later pick or a prospect of some kind to get that contract off our books, will Chicago require that we take something back? I think the answer is probably no. And if they would ask for something to go back, I think they probably could, Toronto could get something useful out of it. So I, I think that's where that comes from. Uh, is it realistic? I don't know. I don't know if there's anything really to Chicago and Toronto talks, but Chicago is one of those teams that is going to play and they're going to do some stuff. And Davidson wants to put his stamp on this team. And I think you could see some movement there. So, um, and keep in mind, Chicago's really only looking for stuff that I think they believe that they're not as good as like keeping the brinket around and whatever. It's going to take four or five years for that team to kind of yeah. figure itself out. So anything that's useful in the next two or three years is probably not useful for Chicago at all. So they don't want it unless they can get something long-term out of it. So you take Mrazic, you let him play itself out, you do whatever you got to do, buy it out, whatever you want to do. You get some sort of an asset or a pick, and then you think, okay, four years down the road, this is going to be helpful for us. But um, that's probably where that conversation comes from. Yeah, no. Listen, I think Mrazek, no matter what, whether it's a buyout or a trade, I think Mrazek is done with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, For you, you look at this Leafs team. I want to ask a question from an outsider's perspective. Um, I saw this team take steps this year in the playoffs. I know everybody is going to say, oh, they didn't get past the first round. They looked a lot more grizzled. They looked a lot more physical. Um, you know, they were going into the different battles where in years past, I didn't see them do those things. And uh, I want to ask you a question. Do, do you think the Leafs are taking proper steps, at least the young core that we're talking about, not Tavares, but I'm talking about Marner and Matthews and Nylander, maybe even Riley, to get to that level where you look at Nathan McKinnon, this is the longest run that he's been on. I brought up that stat the other day that, you know, he's gone three first round exits, three missed in the playoffs, two second rounds now on this run since he's been in the NHL. So, I mean, do you see the Leafs now being able to maybe take a step? Because a lot of people also say for the Leafs it's between the years. And that's probably true to some extent. I mean, you can only have so many playoff disappointments before you either do one of two things. You either realize that you are never going to get there or you do what Colorado did and you get over the hump, right? And you go, okay, well, we've been super disappointed every year. We're better than this. We expect better of ourselves. Everybody expects better of us, but we just can't seem to do it. You're going to go one of two ways. I think Toronto goes the other way. I think they get better. I think they take that next step to get out of the first round. I do agree with you 100% that Austin Matthews has really come on in all facets of his game. He's not just a scorer. He's maybe the best scorer in the NHL, um, but he's not just that anymore. He can back check and play a well-rounded game and he understands. And when you say in between the years, um, he's getting the fact, and it took McDavid a while too. It took dry yeah. a while too. It takes these guys a minute and disappointment to go. I can't keep doing this. The The key story is Steve Eiserman, right? He was the one guy that realized I can't do this. I can't play this way. And our team gonna is not going to win. And so he just reinvented himself as a well-rounded player. Austin Matthews may never be that, but he is going to, and is understanding that you can't just score 60 goals a year and think that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to win the Stanley cup. He's got to do more things. Mitch Martin is going to get that. William Nylander might be the guy that's slowest to pick it up. Cause he's the one guy who's got these elite flashes of brilliance. And then he can drive you crazy and all in the same game. Right. Electric Kovalev like, Oh yeah. It's something yeah. else. Um, so hopefully he figures it out. And if he does, um, that would be great. And if he doesn't and Toronto doesn't think he ever will, maybe that's the reason that they're talking about moving him. So 
Um, but I think Toronto's got it right. I think Mark Giordano was a really big signing for them oh, in the yeah. season. That contract's going to look fantastic. He's exactly the kind of leader that they need there. They brought in other guys. I think they're going to, they moved on from Spezza, uh, put him in an executive role, which I think is a wise thing. I don't see Simmons coming back. I mean, I just see they'll get the veterans they need and they'll stop experimenting with guys that aren't going to help them too much and they'll bring in the guys that will. Um, so I, I see big things. Do, does that mean two or three rounds for Toronto? I don't know. It'll all depend on what yeah. they can do and what Dubas can build around his offseason. But uh, yeah, I think they'll be better. I, I'd listen. It all for for Toronto really is going to matter what happens between the pipes, because obviously if you don't have a solid goaltender, we see that it does not work for uh, for teams. Anyways, um, Jim, you've been so gracious with your time. I said you know half hour, twenty five minutes. We're up to fifty minutes here. I want to appreciate you for taking the time with me tonight, talking some NHL rumors, having some fun. We have a segment we do here at the end of the show for our sponsor, Boxing Rock. It's called the Bearded Blue Warrior. Uh, basically we just pick someone within the hockey world that has either gone the extra mile, a player it can be anyone. Um, for me, I'm going to go ahead and choose, uh, the, the big cat himself, Andre Vasilevsky, turning it on, uh, willing the Tampa Bay lightning over to the Stanley cup finals yet again, wondering for you, do you have a bearded blue warrior, someone within the hockey community where like this needs some recognition right here? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go off the board a little bit. Maybe this is off the board. I don't really know, but because some of it relates to what we're dealing with in Edmonton for people that are looking around me, they know that I'm an Oilers guy. If they follow me in the hockey Raiders, they know I'm an Oilers guy. Uh, Valerie Nichushkin has played so well for Colorado. And the reason that I think about his name is because Jesse Pugliarvi is in Edmonton and they're looking at a very similar situation, right? Nichushkin yeah. was a guy who got bought out of Dallas and Colorado picked them up for like nothing. And he's really found his game. He's reinvented himself. He's been a huge contributor for them. And Pooley is the guy that we think could be that, right? He He's not looking so good. We don't know what's going to happen with him in the offseason. But I don't know. I mean, Colorado's good, right? Like, they've got some really good, talented players, Nick McKinnon, Rantan, all those guys. Um, I'm not sure that if you don't have Nick Chuskin on this team, what Colorado looks like this year, right? That's true. And so I want to give him props because he turned a really crappy situation in Dallas where he got bought out into signing for nothing with a team that had gave him a shot and he took advantage of it. And uh, he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch this off season. So uh, I'll give some props to him. There you go. Well, there's your two beer blue warriors from boxing rock. Go get yourself some puck off Lagerdale. Absolutely. The big beer for the big game, Jim. Thank you so much for swinging by talking some rumors. Hopefully we can get you on maybe towards the draft and uh, maybe shake some more things out and see what's cooking. Sure. That'd be a lot of fun. Appreciate it. All right. Well, I appreciate that too. Hey guys, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.